being earnest and talking about what you stand for and what you love sometimes doesn't seem that cool or, or you know, popular. But I think when you're talking about long-term happiness, uh, fulfillment, making a positive impact on your friends, your community, and, and the greater world, then that's where you want to lean. Welcome to Office Hours by Business Class from American Express. Each episode features innovative entrepreneurs and experts discussing how to navigate today's business challenges. That was Life is Good co-founder, John Jacobs. John started the company with his brother, Bert, and along the way, the brand's customers and staff have directly inspired its positive messaging, mission, and growth. In this Office Hours episode, John spoke with author and entrepreneur Sunil Gupta about leading with sincerity and fueling people with optimism no matter what challenges they face. Please note, the views expressed here belong to the guests interviewed and do not necessarily reflect those of American Express. Hey, John. Hey, Sunil. How are you? How's it going? Going well. How are you? Good. Hello, and everybody. Thank you for joining another episode of Office Hours. Um, this is a, a show where entrepreneurs and experts like John get to come onto the show and, and answer your questions about really what's happening in, in the changing world of work today. Uh, we have a very exciting episode. John is the co-founder and chief creative optimist for Life is Good. Um, and you probably know the Life is Good brand. It, it is literally everywhere. Uh, what you might not know is that John and his brother Bert started the company uh, literally by selling shirts out of duffel bags uh, and built this over time into a $150 million apparel brand. And we're going to hear about this journey and how they went from there to here. Uh, but John, welcome to the show. Thrilled to be here, Sunil. Thanks so much for inviting us. Yeah. And uh, look, you're an entrepreneur um, and you are also an author. And I have your book here. And it is, it is, I've been, I'm really enjoying it. One of the things that you say in the book is that life is not easy. Uh, life is not perfect, uh, but life is good. Uh, tell us more. Tell us more about that attitude and mindset. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, and it can sound corny, but we learned it from our mom. Uh, we we have, grew up in a pretty chaotic house outside of Boston with six kids and uh our dad wrestled with a lot of stuff, and um, so there was there was a lot of strain in the house. Uh, part of it was just trying to feed eight mouths on on a thin thin salary, but our mom just had this way of choosing to tell stories, to sing, to dance, and she was wrestling with some real you know struggles. But it was only when we got older that we realized, wow, she changed the energy in the house. We could have easily been fighting more and um, being really uh, thrown by, by our dad's energy sometimes. He, he really had a temper and he'd yell a lot and ultimately a really good guy. But, but uh, it was, there was a lot of strain and our mom was inspiring that way. And then later, once we got the business rolling, we started hearing from other people that have not had it easy, um, gone through great adversity and yet they choose optimism because it helps them to navigate through. Um, and I'd love to share more about that, but, but uh, really that's the crux of it, that it's not about ignoring bad things. The, the world is filled with, with dark things and challenging things, but it's more of a mindset of I'm gonna spend more of my energy focus on trying to help with the problem and then being grateful for the things I do have and maybe helping others who, who are less fortunate. Yeah, and we're gonna spend some time really, I think talking about that during the show as well with, with everything that's happening in the world right now, how do we remain optimistic? Because I, I think there's a lot of people who could really use your advice on this one, John. Um, but I wanna, I wanna spend a moment talking about your mom because I've heard so many amazing sort of stories about her and all my research about you and even in our last conversation together, there was a ritual that she used to have at the dinner table um, that I think in some ways kind of paved the way for the mindset that you do have right now. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about what you would do around the yeah. table? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, there may be a day when maybe our, one of our older brothers got in some trouble or there was possibly, you know, 
on a given day as a school kid, you might be frustrated with an assignment, with a teacher, with a peer, but our mom had a way of shaping the conversation and she would say, tell me something good that happened today. And it sounds so simple, but it, you know, you'll find, I know a lot of your audience members are, are um, entrepreneurs. If you start a meeting by saying what's going wrong in your department, Believe me, people will tell you, and, and it kind of sucks the life out of the, the meeting. Now, there's a way to approach those issues later in the meeting, but if you can start with something like, tell me something good. We still use it at Life is Good all the time, but back in our childhood, it was so simple, but it, it had our family sharing absurd things, funny things, positive things, and we were really connecting as humans before we you know, ate our meal. And when we look back at that, we say, once again, Joan really made some choices to change the energy in our house and to define what the energy should be. And those things can seem kind of uh, ephemeral or ethereal, or, but they're, they're very important to both the success of a family and kids' childhood, as well as later for a business. You know, what kind of energy do you bring to the table? Yeah, yeah. Now that's amazing. So you start every you start every meeting still at Life Is Good with, tell me something good that's happening right now. We do. I mean, I I, I would say eighty percent. Maybe sometimes we forget, but it is it is really important and powerful. And yeah, we get into wrestling with the struggles, uh, puzzles we got to figure out. But to set that tone, it not only sets a, a positive tone, but it also um, what was I going to say it. I don't know. I lost that one. It's all right. I yeah. mean, what about you personally? In your, in your mornings, your, your day, how do you set the tone for gratitude in your own life? Um, I think trying to bring humor into the house when you come back from work, even if it's just for a minute or two, instead of drilling down with the kids on their homework, etc., connecting as human beings. And that's, that's what I meant to say a, little, a minute ago, is you know, we, we've learned, Bert and I, Bert is my brother, and uh, we, we started the business about 30 years ago together. And we early meetings, we didn't know any different, but we would start meetings with a potential retail partner talking about the weekend, what we love to do, what's going on this summer. Mm -hmm. And we really found that finding that personal connection built relationships. And again, it can sound corny. It is so effective, though. And it makes business a lot more fun. You know, we spend a lot of hours at work thinking about work, why not connect as humans, have some laughs? You'll find in our offices, you know, you might definitely you'll see and hear a lot of laughter. Maybe a ball's being thrown around a little bit. Um, you're talking about something that's got nothing to do with the business puzzle. Then it comes back. But it's developed a, a culture that's filled with trust and people that really care about each other. Yeah. We have some questions coming in right now, and that's kind of a reminder to everybody who's watching right now. Just post your questions as comments here. We're monitoring here. We're going to be sort of bringing those in. Um, but, John, I want to go back to sort of the beginning, the early days, because I literally I cannot get enough of this story. I mean, you do hear businesses and entrepreneurs that, that struggle, and I've heard many, many of these stories. I think your, yours and Bert's are, are, is special in some ways. Um, you were literally t selling your T-shirts, and this is before the Life is Good brand even sort of took hold. You were selling T-shirts out of duffel bags and out of vans. Uh, tell us more. Like, what do you remember most about those days? I mean, it all started with a, a hope, could we find some way to combine business with art? We both like to draw and write, and so we started designing our own shirts. But those years we talk about, it was over five years where – First, we were just out on the streets of Boston um, and wherever there was foot traffic and sometimes we'd be shuffled along because we didn't have the right permit and a lot of times we wouldn't sell a single shirt. Um, so it was good to have two of us because we would try to laugh it off, but it was kind of daunting um, as our friends started to have real jobs, relationships, clothes, cars, you know, and we're four or five years in and we're... We've reached a point where we bought a used van at, a, at an auction, thanks to our brother Ed's help. And, um, and we started going to college dorms up and down the East Coast. But we tore out the back seats, filled it with shirts. We'd sleep on top of the shirts in the back. Or we'd try to find some place in a, in a college dorm lounge where we could sleep that night if it was freezing cold out. 
But it was pretty pathetic looking back. And I think the most important thing is that we tried to learn from each rejection. And there were thousands of rejections, you know, a lot of nights, seriously, where, where we'd sell four shirts, three shirts, 10 shirts. And, and then you got shuffled along to the next school, but we're trying to hit every school on the East Coast. And the important thing was to write down what did, what did they say about it? Did they not like the feel of the shirt or the, the saying, the artwork? Was, did it cost too much? Trying to use that, that rejection as a trainer and uh, as a teacher, I think that's really important for young entrepreneurs because sometimes people get a little lost on the theoretical and they want to spend four years on a business plan. And I think just going out there and trying something, you know, because we fell on our face so many times, but we tried to learn each time, you know, what do we need to adjust, adjust, adjust. And, and that eventually led us to something that helped us break through. Yeah. And so you're, you're trying new things. You're, you're learning new things. Are you doubting as well? I mean, five years is a long time to be going. Absolutely. Through. Absolutely. And you have this mental game inside, you know, balancing self-doubt with that, that excitement for what could happen. And again, really helps to have maybe one other person. I happen to be with the guy that I grew up with in bunk beds. So like we could get on each other's nerves, but we could also lift each other with a laugh. And if one guy got down, the other guy would try to pick him up. So that was important. And there were, you know, there's a lot of those nights where I can look back and view it comically. And I think that's one part of optimism that people forget about is how you frame your memories, you know, the present and even the future. You can choose to do that in an optimistic way. Like at the time, I'm sure it wasn't that funny to be chased by a, a you know, campus police in a, in a golf cart going about six miles an hour with a megaphone telling us to get off campus or, I mean, th there was that, there was a night at about 3 a.m. where, a, no, no exaggeration, a farmer with a pitchfork was running after us <laughs> to get off his lawn because we had already been kicked off campus for not having a permit where we're trying to crash on some random guy's farmland and we're running and then jumping the car. Um, and, and there's a lot of other days where, you know, pouring rain, you're trying to sell out in Faneuil Hall in Boston. And tourists are kind of laughing at you because your box, boxes are exploding in the rain. And I believe at the time we were able to laugh at it. But I know there are also times where we were incredibly frustrated and our hopes were being dashed. And definitely we were on the the fringe of saying, do we have to hang this up? Do we have to get a quote, real job? And I think that that uh, ability to absorb the rejection and, uh, and uh, you know, falls on the face is a really critical part of being an entrepreneur. And I, I wanna encourage anyone listening, you can do this. You know, we are not the brightest guys. They weren't the brightest guys in class, but we stuck with it. We believed in each other and ultimately believed that we could come up with something that might even help people and we were fortunate to find that but the important part when you're starting out is you got to take your swings you got to keep trying and you'll learn from those things so don't don't just make it uh, an academic exercise where you're trying to plot five years ahead sometimes you just got to put stuff on a table or in a duffel bag or in a folk you know pull some friends together and say would you actually buy this are you interested in this and what you'll get back some of it will be wonderful. Some of it you won't want to hear, but all of it will help you get stronger. And I love the fact that you, you were continuously learning. And there was a turning point where I think you and your brother decided to host a party. You got your friends over. And this is, this is, this is really sort of the genesis of the Life is, Life is Good brand. Yeah. People came over to the house and tell us what happened. Yeah, so when we were, we, these road trips, we would go college to college for six, seven weeks. So... By the time we got back, we were dying to catch up with friends and hear what was going on in the world. And uh, we had a keg party where friends came over and we, we got to hear what, what they've been up to. We would also tape up any drawing or phrase up on the wall uh, of this little dive apartment we had. And we would ask them to comment on these things. And there was one drawing that turned out to be the guy that would uh, be one of the first designs that really clicked. We would later call him Jake. 
but it was just his face. And based on all the comments around it, um, there were so many positive things around it. And one woman wrote, this guy's got life figured out. And it was just a simple face with, with a beret and a smile and some shades. But to us, it symbolized creativity. And, you know, you don't have to be miserable if you're an artist. Like, you can actually like connecting with people. We, we were feeling so lucky that we got to travel, create, and meet people. Those three things. We love to do all those things. So even though we really weren't making any money and getting rejected a lot, it felt like we were very lucky to be doing these things. And when that woman wrote that, the next morning we looked up and said, kind of distilled all the comments down to three simple words, life is good. And that changed our life forever because a few days later, we printed up our first life is good shirts and the response was immediate and like nothing we'd ever seen before. So, um, there's so much, there's so much to unpack there. You know, I think, I think that you guys are in a, at this point in time, pretty desperate financial situation as well. And now comes this breakthrough of, Hey, we have this slogan that really reaches us. And one of the questions that's coming in, and I'm wondering this myself is, how, how does a slogan then become the brand? Because sometimes what people will say is, well, that's a slogan. Let's go create a brand around it. But for you guys, the slogan actually became the brand. What went into that thinking? Yeah, well, uh, you said a lot to unpack. That there is meaning. Um, the word, those simple words seem to resonate with a very broad audience because that street fair we went to in 1994, all different kinds of people were coming up. School teacher, skateboarder, uh, Harley Davidson guy, and they're all buying this one shirt. We had uh, like 20 different designs out, but everyone wanted this one shirt. And we knew this was the thing we had been talking about. We had, we had talked about how the news really um, inundates people with negative information. And we know that is out there, but there's good things happening in the world too. And we wondered if we could create a rallying cry for optimists. And finally, we had it with this shirt. And... Um, I'm sorry, remind me your question, Sunil, because I wanted to show, oh, how does it become? So the depth of those three simple words, we really only learned through our customers. And that's sort of the next chapter because first it's like, okay, wow, we finally have something people want. What do we do with this? And we just decided to do what we had done in the dorms, which is door to door, go to some retailers and say, would you, would you take 12 of these? Would you take 24? Would you try selling these? And we finally found a few retailers after more rejection to try that out. And then summer of 95, suddenly we started picking up like an account each day just by hustling, making some calls and expanding the line. And it really, openness is one of these 10 values we call the life is good superpowers. And if we think back, it wasn't mine and Bert being, me and Bert being brilliant, it was this one drawing among others and our friends telling us there's something special there. And then by 95, it was retailers saying, hey, does that character, uh, does he ride a bike? Does he eat ice cream? And we're like, I guess give us like two hours and he will. You know, so <laughs> we would sketch it out, send it over, they'd order, order the design. And then the big one, the big one in terms of learning from our customers was this community we call Fuel. And we started getting... We got letters that said, hey, thanks for celebrating road trips or guitars or um, time with my dog, etc." But we also got a lot of letters from people going through very difficult situations, um, dealing with cancer. You know, my, my life is good hat helped me stay positive during chemo. Or we all wore life is good to the memorial service of our brother because he lived with that spirit. And Bert and I were incredibly moved, but we didn't know what to do with those letters. We were trying to just figure out how to, how to grow a business. And it dawned on us years later, we just need to share these letters because the numbers kept increasing. And uh, we started putting it on our new website. And then the response was like, oh, I feel less alone. Thanks for sharing this. And then the, and, and internally, we were still a small company, but we'd gather the whole company when we got one of those letters, read it aloud at a company-wide meeting, and it really reminded everyone that we're not just making widgets, you know, that we're trying to get certain values out to the world, particularly optimism. 
And these people, if you, if you don't believe anyone else, listen to someone who has been through hell, you know, in the form of some of the things I mentioned. And they tend to have, people that go through difficult things tend to have an elevated sense of gratitude. Like, they don't take anything for granted. And um, they, that community has been the number one inspiration to us. And that's the reason we want to keep growing this, you know, and reach more people with the messages. And, you know, I, later I could tell you about our Kids Foundation as well. But really, the stories are what clicked with us. And by now, we've experienced really heavy times in our lives as well. And, and our teammates the same. So... You know, there's so many things I'd like to say to your audience. Like, if you can find what your deeper purpose is early, it will fuel your growth and it will help you power through the difficult times. Because if we didn't have that deeper purpose, who knows? We might have said, hit the wall at some point. But when you think of the messages resonating and lifting people and nonprofit work directly helping children, it's like, this is why we exist how do we how do we take this to the next level yeah yeah and and, and it seems like you do, you do a particularly good job i think making sure that people continue to have that purpose front and front and center right i mean it, it is it is one thing to have a mission statement it is one thing to actually put that mission statement on the wall or have it be visible but it's another thing for a leader to make sure that, that that's something that people remember every single day like how do yeah. you you know i mean you mentioned reading the letters i mean how are some other ways that you do that yeah well you'll hear I can sincerely say you'll hear the word gratitude courage simplicity in meetings constantly they're reinforced and optimism more than anything and it's how you uh, there's a lot of stories that come to mind um, whether it was our ops team this past holiday season heroically um, fusing in new technology in the middle of their busiest season um, just by sheer, sheer will and being able to see down the road saying, right now this is brutally hard, but it's going to help the company and even our department in the long run. It takes an optimist view to zoom out like that and see the bigger picture. Um, when the pandemic first hit, a lot of heroes come to mind on our team that helped us realize, no, we're actually going to help more people if we keep the the muscle of our business the warehouse customer service if we keep it going rather than closing shop because people won't have to run out and get random jobs um, in the interim and Bert and I I'm not sure we would have seen that I'm pretty sure we wouldn't but our teammates up in New Hampshire um, helped us see if we create great safety protocols we're actually going to help our team more and that will allow us to put out messages that are really needed right now. And some of them were really specific to washing your hands, distancing, staying at home, all those things. And um, so, it, and I don't want to lose that. You, you asked me about the mission. And again, anyone starting out, I love to share mistakes we've made. And, and early on, our mission was... Uh, very ambitious, but it was kind of long and hard to remember. It, it was uh, to have a greater positive impact on human culture than any clothing brand in history. I know that sounds outrageous, but we were just like, we get, let's just aim for the moon, see how we do. But our own teammates couldn't even remember that mission. And eventually, we simplified it to spreading the power of optimism. And that sounds and feels a lot more inclusive, both our community and our team can embrace that, we can remember it, and it's like, come along with us, we're trying to do something here. There's a lot of cynicism in the world. Jump on this train and help us build this together. You want something simpler like that, and, and if I could share one other example, because simplicity is a really important superpower to us, and as we tried to explain what our nonprofit does, which is we train childcare providers, teachers, counselors, um, oncology departments, anyone working with kids day to day to retain their own playfulness, optimism, um, openness. And as you know, burnout is very common in those kind of positions. 
So we realized we could have more impact working with these childcare providers who are in such crucial uh, positions to help these kids. If we work with them, the, the impact could be immense. But my point on simplicity is the, as much as we tried to talk about play therapy and these trainings and the detail, we started just putting on our hang tags of the product like 10% for kids, helping kids in need. Most people, their attention span is short. Everyone's very busy. So if you just make it simple for people, hey, if you're doing business with Life is Good, you're helping kids in need, they get it. They want to help us grow the business. So yeah. simplicity is a, is a superpower that I encourage everyone here to, to lean into. It also seems like it really helped you kind of get to the core of what was authentic to you. You know, spreading power of optimism. This is something you've been thinking about ever since you were a kid. Wondering how other business leaders are navigating through the current environment? Get your questions answered by joining Office Hours, our live Q&A program where we talk with influential entrepreneurs and business experts about their experiences. Visit amex.co forward slash office hours for more information, including the upcoming schedule. I want to go to a couple of questions that, that have come in here, John. One is, you know, why did you start with, with shirts, T-shirts? And, and specifically, how did you decide where to expand to from there? Thank you for the question. Um, I, I, we always think of it like uh, what you wear on the outside says a lot about what you believe in on the inside. And there's a, there's a random personal element to it. I mean, our dad... Uh, I worked in a machine shop, again, eight people. So I, all I wore was like, and Bert, same thing. Like we wore the hand-me-downs from our older brothers. So they were random old t-shirts and there was nothing else available. So we grew to love those uh, shirts and we're lucky to be in a job where we don't, that doesn't have to really change. Um, but so we, we love it as a, as a way to convey messages and to share artwork and it's an accessible way to do that. I think when we were finishing college, we had these dreams of being artists and writers, but it's very intimidating to think about getting a painting in, a, in an art gallery somewhere. So t-shirts were a way to, to take a swing at it, and um, that's what led to the duffel bags and all that. And what was the second part of that question? How did you expand from there, from t -shirt? Oh, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> It's not brilliant. It's more, uh, okay, what, what else is a casual form of clothing that makes sense? A hat, a sweatshirt, and then we like to play Frisbee. Let's make some Frisbees. So it, it very organically unfolded that way. And now we're to a point where we're, we have teammates smart enough to say, hey, if we're not going to make guitars, or footwear, let's find a great partner to do that. So we're making uh, sandals with Reef, we're making guitars, ukuleles with Martin guitar, and that's quite a privilege um, and feels great whenever we can team with another company with like-minded uh, perspective. So I'm really getting a sense of kind of experimental culture from you. Like, I mean, it, it's, you know, some people would answer that question of how do we expand? We, we come through our strategic analysis. We do our pros, cons. We, you know, map it out on a grid. And I'm kind of hearing from you, like, it sounds like a lot of fun. Let's, let's go do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's one of the benefits of, of a private company. Um, and I, I give the credit to our team right now because I feel like we're more test and test and fail than ever. And it's, um, we have great leadership and it's really brought up a lot. Like anyone's got an idea, best idea in the room wins. Like, and then let's just take a swing at it, especially with our dot-com business growing, like, and more customization. People want to customize more. That's what part of the, uh, the um, technology I mentioned earlier, like there's a lot to take in in the last few years, but leadership's been so strong. The team, top to bottom has that mentality of like, let's take a shot and we're going to learn. And that's, that's why I emphasized it to your audience um, uh, earlier is even in the very early stage, just try stuff. And even if you, you get completely rejected, you're going to learn, adjust and grow stronger. Yeah. You don't, people think about um, we either succeed or fail to us. It's either succeed or learn, you know, you, you pivot, but if you never try, you don't learn anything. 
Yeah, I think it was it Nelson Mandela had the great quote. It was it was I don't fail, I either win or I learn. Ooh, yeah, wow, yeah. Well, you know, we had another question coming here, and it's really about your relationship with your brother Bert. And you know, what is it like to start a company with someone so close to you? And you know, how did you how did you ultimately decide? You know, who is going to do what? You handle this, I handle that. Yeah, um, I think. There's so many positives to it. Anyone with siblings knows you might be able to press each other's buttons like nobody else, but the positives far outweigh because early on, I think of those nights sleeping in the van for years, and you just develop a trust level. Like this guy's gonna step up when we need it, and he's, he's gonna lift me if I get down, I'll do the same. Just knowing each other that well. And then, um, especially once we solidified the mission and understood the depth of life is good. Nothing else is going to get in our way because we're going to disagree over details, mid-level, low-level, maybe even some high-level strategic things. But we're so committed to spreading the power of optimism that we're going to figure out those things. And we've got great teammates to help us navigate. But uh, just the seeing the, the history of seeing your partner come through over and over and I believe he's seen the same thing so um, it's it's really hard to get that kind of and we're, we have over 50 years of uh, history not just coming through for each other but making each other laugh when when we need it and uh, I know that's hard to come by and we're lucky to have other teammates that have been with us for 25 years, 20 years, 22. So they feel like siblings to us too. And um, that's, that's the magic of it, that you don't have to question the, the motives at all. It's like, we're in this for the long haul and we have so many great teammates that are committed to the mission with us. Yeah. How do you sort through the moments when you don't agree, when you're not on the same page? You know, because sometimes people will look at this and say, hey, look, if it's family, Stakes are pretty high here. You know, we have to, we have to sort of navigate this very clearly and carefully. So yeah. How, how do you I mean, I, I, there were early days uh, when employees would be around when we're screaming at each other, maybe throwing a stapler at each other's head. And they're like, oh, the, the company's blowing up today. Like, it's, it's all over. And we were like, oh, like 30 minutes later, like, Bert, you want to grab a sandwich? Like, <laughs> so it's, uh, I don't know, like when siblings are, uh, right next to each other, birth order, it can, it can be very intense. But like, uh, I think we're at a point where the teammates help and definition of like lanes and stuff is, is really helpful. Um, so I, I think, um, yeah, I think also where the company's at, if your company's under tremendous stress and you're disagreeing over something important, it heightens the tension. It makes it really tough to navigate. Um, we, we have really good momentum right now, so I'm finding there's less of those moments in the past year or so. Yeah. 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 Well, I think a lot of people are sort of tuning into, you know, a message that you have right now because, you know, like, like I mean, the reality is that, and I think you, you understand this, you talked about it, is that, like, it would be totally understandable if somebody was embracing pessimism right now, right? Yep. I mean, it... it there's a lot of content out there for, you know, all you have to do is open up the newspaper. And so, you know, I think probably one thing that everybody is wondering, John, is like throughout all these years, how did you maintain this sense of optimism? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, I think one thing that comes to mind is what, what works, what helps you feel better, what brings you closer to happiness or fulfillment. And um, I think we all, Again, we, we all have opportunities to choose our mindset, you know, whether we're dealing with extreme adversity or more everyday challenges. And if you look back at the pattern of like what has actually helped you, something like gratitude journal, I had never actually tried that. Um, we had heard it's very effective for people. And I remember going through something pretty heavy personally and reaching for that and before i went to bed and i found it helped me sleep and you know just start listing the basics you know i i had a meal today i have people that love me um i have access to water um 
I've got work I believe in, you know. Whatever it is for you, these little things, they, they're they extremely effective. And I understand that I think personally, I feel like it's the easy route to be cynical because I think, like you said, there's a lot of sources of cynicism right now. Um, and being earnest and talking about what you stand for and what you love sometimes doesn't seem that cool or, or you know, um, popular. But I think when you're talking about long-term happiness, uh, fulfillment, making a positive impact on your friends, your community, and, and the greater world, then that's where you want to lean. And to me, that's I, I, the whole reason we exist is to inspire people to choose optimism, to improve their life and the lives of others. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope we do that. How we, how we do it every day is the messages and the artwork on our products, by sharing inspiring stories from our community, and there are incredible ones uh, that if, if you would like to check out on our website, people like Lindsay, Alex, and Nick, they, all these personal stories that they've shared with us. And then the, the third way is through the work of our Kids Foundation that I mentioned. And again, that brings me great fulfillment. It energizes me and the team. And I, I just think it, uh, a much more concise way to say is it, it beats the alternative. It beats the hell out of the alternative to me. Um, I, I, yeah. Carrying that pessimism doesn't seem to take you to, to a place where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can relate to it a lot as, as, as small business owners as well, you know, in terms of, I mean, when an entrepreneur comes to you and says, hey, look, you know, I, things just aren't clicking right now. Uh, you know, it's, I'm not getting the traction I'm looking for, and I personally feel burnt out. What do you, what do you typically tell that person? Um, I would say burnout makes a lot of sense, and I would ask them, you know, some compassionate questions about how many hours, and do you have anyone else that you can bounce these ideas off? I mentioned Bert a few times. Like, just when I think back, whether it was he, him or me, if we were solo in that man, I'm not sure we would have lasted five or six years um, getting kicked out of places and having zero sales, you know, but we were able to laugh things off, lift each other. Um, so I would, those couple questions come to mind, but also specific to your business, what are the things you think you should adjust? You know, for us, it was again, listening to people in the dorm saying, I don't like the feel of this shirt. I, that message now, uh, that's too much for a t-shirt. Um, we, we had a ledger and we were writing those comments every night and before we went to bed, we kind of processed that and you've got to adjust. And if you don't change anything, then you're going to get the same result. Yeah. Another question that came in, it has, you mentioned the gratitude journaling, uh, as, as a ritual. Um, the other question that came is what are, what are some other daily rituals in your personal life that, that really help you keep this healthy mindset that you have? Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say exercise, um, and that could take any form for your, <laughs> I keep saying your audience, your, um, any, anyone listening, like, um, I, I love basketball, ultimate Frisbee, uh, but I, I need to move my body. Um, and so whatever that is, pull-ups, push-ups, some people into yoga, running, walking, but getting out with daylight and fresh air, especially in the morning, I think is fantastic and will help you. As you know, I'm not a doctor, but it helps you sleep. Um, you know, I, I find if I get out 6 a.m. and do some sort of exercise and get daylight and maybe get out, make sure I get out later in the day, that's going to make for a good night's sleep. And, you know, you combine that with gratitude, whether you're writing it down or talking about it at dinner. That's we. My family has something called Mad Props, and we go around and list things we're grateful for and some people it's grace whatever you want to call it um, it's where you're focusing your energy and it can change the the you know mindset the energy in your home so um, those are other forms I 
Yeah, uh, I, Sunil, you have to be more strict on the length of my answers, but no, that's right. I, <laughs> no, I, I think I think Mad Props is definitely like I mean it's it's amazing to see this continuation of really what your mom you know did did early days in, at your house, yes. um, and to sort of see all this come full circle. I want to I want to talk about Sunil. Can I can I share the evolution has been so fun with little yeah. kids. Like you know I'm I'm thankful for big cars, big trucks, and then you know I'm I'm thankful for space. Um, and then it gets to like two where you're getting emotional listening to kids talk about health and the trees and you know fresh air and um, it's it's really cool and it works and as consistently as you can do that I highly recommend it yeah you know I mean I, I read that too and the science around gratitude is that it's really the little things right and when we say hey well, I'm grateful for my house I'm grateful for you know um, the city I live in, you know, those are big things and then they're important, but when we really get into those minor details. Yes. I really like the way that, you know, my daughter's has that, has that sort of way that she smirks, you know, and yeah. reminds me of my mom's little smirk, like uh -huh. just the little details that I think sort of give us these deeper moments of, of gratitude. And, you know, one, one of the things that, um, you know, I was trying to understand is like, you bring you wear you wear what you you are on your sleeve, John. I mean, that's that's clear. And that's every conversation. I mean, you are you are one you are one person, and you can you can tell you're you're that way whether you're with your family or with your with your team. And I think that that that's probably had an effect on sort of just the company as well. Because you, when I, one of the things I noticed is that like you look at your first employee, Carrie Gross. Uh, you know, she joined you 27 years ago, and she's still there today. Um, and I, I noticed that a lot of your employees who were there early on are still there today after decades, which is highly unusual. I mean, what do you, what do you make of that? What, did you, what have you learned that, that we can learn about that? I, I, I definitely want to jump to that. I just want to point out, like you, know, you said, you know, maybe I, I embody these values or I, I, we really believe in this phrase, practicing optimist, because it's none of us are op optimist 24 seven. And you have days where the doubt does come in or your frustration or, you know, you might feel like a bit of a martyr, like I, I'm, why am I doing this for this, you know, these many people, this many people, but it's more of a practice thing, you know, like free throws, you know, for basketball, like if you get in a rhythm of practicing it, then it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. uh, and as, as far as our teammates, starting with Carrie, um, Carrie, again, I'm thinking a lot of like entrepreneurs here. So want to share that like she was a, friend that moved in in the apartment above us when we were starting the business and we asked her to help us with stuff we were terrible at <laughs> and the next thing you know we were begging her to leave her job as a paralegal like can you like what's the least you could work for this first year you know because we have nothing but you seem to be able to do like things five times faster than us so can you please join us and uh, she's a partner in the business today, and um, and she's a superstar, and she's done everything we've asked her to do at various stages of the company. And I think of a guy named like Keith Campbell, who runs our operations, and he's been with us like 25 years, and he's one of the heroic characters that I mentioned earlier. Like I remember checking in with him on in October saying this seems like we're biting off a lot, all this new technology, right, as holiday season approaches. He's like, we are, but I signed up for it back in January. We're going to make it happen, but it's going to be brutal, brutally difficult. But again, he, he was able to take that zoom out perspective and say, yeah, next few months, excruciating, maybe the hardest stretch of my whole career, but this is going to benefit the company, our customers, and it's worth it. And that's one of the things an optimist can do is remove themselves from the tension of that moment and see the bigger picture, which includes gratitude. And that's, that's the kind of energy you get from a Keith or a Kerry all the time. And we've got so many stars like that on our squad. Yeah. What do you think we can learn from that for our own businesses? You know, I mean, it seems like so much because it seems like so much of it comes down to attitude of the people you hire but that's yeah. the attitude that you seem to cultivate every day. Yeah, I think it's authentic in our leadership. And uh, we try to decipher in interviews, you know, what what people value most, get beyond the, the nuts and bolts of the job and listen for what people, 
care about and, and what they're grateful for, et cetera, because it really is something you have to believe in, in your heart and soul, if you want to build this with us. And um, whatever that value base is for your company, think about that when you go to hire people. Because we have, way back, I remember being in meetings where I think to myself, really smart person here, but they're not really on board with this. And that eventually causes tension. So I, I'm just thrilled when I think about our teammates. We have a big company-wide coming outdoors, coming up in a few weeks, and just seeing those faces of absolute superstars in terms of the energy they bring to their teammates. So I guess I would suggest that you focus on that kind of thing and not think of it as a, a little bonus, but something that's really central to the person you're hiring. What, what energy do they bring to the table and how do they view the world? You know, are they, are they focused on uh, helping? Are they, are they focused on, do they talk about things they love? Do they get excited about things or do they have more of a victim mentality that um, can kind of bring down their, their teammates or the people around them? Yeah. A question came in, is there anyone, whether you know them or not, who especially inspires you as a, as a business person or as a leader? Sure, there's, there's a lot. Uh, I will apologize that some of them are, you know, I, 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 some of them are from decades ago and some of them are current. So um, I would say Dr. Seuss, I would say the Beatles, Ralph Waldo Emerson. I feel like every third quote I love was from that dude. Um, and he happens to be, you know, he lived right down the road from where we're at. Um, Beatles just pushing the envelope on creativity while keeping love, gratitude, peace, these, these values very central to their music. Yeah. Um, and uh, Seuss taking a medium that had been very stale up until that point, book, children's books that said, see spot run run spot run and the parents falling asleep reading it you know and the kids probably falling asleep too and seuss brings in these wild illustrations these rhythmic rhymes and most importantly very often a deep message uh about like sneetches about uh prejudice that that's a lesser known one but um you name it grinch lorax all that stuff there's brilliant, deep messages underneath wild, irresistible creativity. So big time inspiration there. And then some current folks. Uh, Cleo Wade is a poet, I think, uh, that a teammate introduced me to that's doing the same thing in my book, um, getting needed messages out there, inspirational messages, positive messages through her poetry. Uh, Oliver Jeffers is a contemporary um, kids author and illustrator that's fantastic. That's also putting a lot of positive messages out in the world. Mo Willems has done that. Um, so that's a handful. And yeah. Um, yeah. Another question came in, John. What do you say to aspiring entrepreneurs? So people who currently aren't, but are considering and want to be an entrepreneur. What do you say to them when they ask you for advice? Um, I would, I've definitely had friends say, hey, I'm thinking about trying this, but it's a little scary and I've got a, you know, solid job. And um, I, I would just say you've got to find uh, slivers or chunks of time where you can try, whether that's weekends, nights, uh, where you can devote to this hobby or dream and maybe think about um, I've said it a few times, but is there someone else in your world that maybe would be a teammate for this? Um, even if it's a part-time, you know, Saturdays we're going to get together and brainstorm. But uh, I know it's easier to take that big leap when you don't have um, dependents. <laughs> so, you know, Bert and I were, were single and right out of college. So we, we had those years to wander and try and fail. And we still try to keep that mindset but in terms of starting your own business, you can still do it. Um, you just need to find those slivers of time and negotiate. If you do have a partner of some sort or kids, 
they're now part of that equation of how do I make this a reality? Um, and, and the biggest thing is, once again, trying. And that is, can you make the product on a weekend and, and do you put it up online and try it out? Do you go to little craft fairs like we did? Um, do you run around in dorms? I don't recommend that these days. We were, we were lucky to do that before. Uh, it was just, it was a little bit of the wild west, you know, and we were still, we still felt like college kids, you know, but there are ways, whether it's physical environment, like I said, little craft fairs or trying something online, but give it, take a swing, meet with a friend who might at least be a great sounding board. Maybe they want to team up with you. Hope that's helpful. Yeah. And if you had to go back to those days, last question for us, if you had to go back to those days and you had to give yourself, this is 25 years ago, one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say um, trust in handing off parts of the enterprise to teammates. And that's easier said than done, but it, it, it was so hard in the first five or 10 years to let go of parts of your baby, you know, and, and um, not hover over that teammate. Um, but ultimately, starting with Kerry, who showed us that she could crush projects and do it better than us. Um, and then, you know, the ones that are easy are the areas where you're horrible at. For us, that was finance or IT. Wasn't hard to say, please help us with IT. <laughs> but the things closer to our heart, more the creative parts of it, really hard to empower. And now we're at a point where we've got great creatives and um, it's easier, but, but maybe you could fast forward that. And um, the other things we kind of learned by trying and falling, like the, like the mission, like t-shirts, the t-shirts before life is good, were pretty complex. And when we saw that shirt click, that was another lesson in simplicity. Just like the way you message about nonprofit work, make it really simple so people can understand it and get on board with you and help you. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, John, thank you so much for joining us. I've had a great time. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And that's a wrap on another episode of Office Hours. We're going to be back here next Wednesday. In the meantime, you can always go to AmericanExpress.com forward slash business class, and you can check out more episodes. You can also find these episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And, uh, John, thank you again, and we will see everybody next week. Thanks, Sunil. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Office Hours. You can find other can't-miss conversations and a ton of useful resources for business owners at every stage at amex.co forward slash business class. Looking for new ways to keep up with the latest business trends and insights? Business Class from American Express is an educational resource to help today's business leaders adapt to the current economic environment. To view compelling stories, timely tips, and inspiring insights from industry experts, leaders, and street-savvy entrepreneurs, visit amex.co forward slash business class.